All right, men, wouldn't it be awesome? And I know I'm just going to kind of dive into the deep end right here at the very beginning, but wouldn't it be awesome if the only giants in life, the only issues that we had to deal with in our lives were goldfish, worms, and grasshoppers? If that, smite me with those challenges, Lord, please. You know, you have to like suck it up a little bit mentally to do that kind of thing. You know, you have to like, I, I saw a videotape of some of our guys that went to Africa and ate one of those, there's like a challenge, a mamba bug or something, some kind of big beetle bug thing, you know, and they had to put it down, you know, and you, you have to have mental toughness to get it down. Once it's down there, you're okay, unless you dwell on it, you know, but. <laughs> but those challenges up there, those are nothing compared to some of the challenges that we're facing in our world right now. There are some really gigantic issues that we're looking at, that we're facing. Some of you are sitting here, and right now, just me saying that is bringing emotion to the surface. It might be anger and frustration. It might be depression. It might be grief. Because we face some gigantic issues that become larger than life many times in our lives. You might say that we have some real giants out there that we're facing. I believe that we're facing some very real personal, social, political, financial, religious giants. We're, we're definitely going up against some major moral giants in our society right now. And all of these things that are coming against us that we as men of God will encounter on many times a daily basis, they want you. They, they mean to have you. They mean to have our families. They're coming after us. They're not like friendly. They're coming after us. They mean to have the church of Jesus Christ. They mean to have our society they mean to have our entire world. And what we need, I'm gonna just say this out loud on today, what we need more than ever are strong men of God to lead the way to victory through the power and faith in God Almighty, our God who has always been faithful all our lives. He has been faithful. And my brothers, we're facing today some challenges that aren't unique to God's people. There's some challenges that we can actually see God's people experiencing in the book of Numbers. If you take your Bible and turn there with me, go to the book of Numbers chapter 13. So God had told his people, Israel, to go and confront the wickedness that had control of the land of Canaan. This is the land that God had promised them called the promised land. Go 
possess the land. Go confront the wickedness that has taken captive the land and take possession of the land. And God's command to them was much like his command is for us today. To shine the light of truth into the darkness of the world that has taken our world captive. Go out there, shine your light in such a way to expose the darkness for what it is and possess the land through the power of the gospel. That's the call to every man of God living today. Every one of you men hearing my voice, that's the call for all of us. Go take the land, go possess the land with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But in order to do that, we've got to confront the giants in the land. So we have a problem, right? It's not a cakewalk. We don't just get to walk out there and take it. We've got to go out there and do battle, just like the Israelites were faced with going into the promised land. There were some giants out there, and that was a problem. So the story goes like this. Go with me to Numbers chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. So the Lord said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan, the land that I am giving to the Israelites. Now, if you are a student of the Bible, you know that this was promised. This land was promised to their forefather, Abraham, many years before this. And they're just now at the point. They've been released from Egypt, and God said to his people, go take the land that I promised. By the way, this is the land that I promised your forefather, Abraham. So God says to Moses, send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. So there were 12 tribes of Israel, so they said pick one leader from each of the tribes to go and spy out the land, go explore the land. And so that's what Moses did. He chose 12 men, and this is what he said to them. Go see what the land is like. Check it out. See if it's fertile or if it's poor. And the people, what are they like? Come back and tell us whether they're strong or weak, or the few or many, and what are their cities like? And so these 12 men spent 40 days wandering that land, exploring that land, spying out the land, and when they returned after 40 days, this is the report they gave. Look at verse 27 of chapter 13, Numbers 13, 27. They said, we entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey, and here is the kind of fruit it produces. If you remember, we've studied this before in the past the fruit was so awesome, the grape clusters were so huge um, from that land that it took two men to carry one grape cluster on a pole between them because they were just gigantic. In other words, their report was, the land is just like God promised it would be. God said that it would be a land that was plentiful. He said it would be a land flowing with milk and honey. Of course it would be because God gives that kind of stuff to his people. I thought somewhere there would be an amen on that. Amen. Don't you know God loves to give good gifts to his children? You do know that the things that happen to us, the bad things in this world that happen to us, they don't come from the hand of God. They come because there's evil in the world. When God created man and woman and he put them in a, in a garden, it wasn't like all run down and nasty. And God put him in there and said, okay, go make it nice. He gave them the best, and they ruined it. 
So they went out there and they saw the land just like God told them it was gonna be. And if they had just stopped there, it would have been awesome. If they had just stopped there and said, so, it's awesome. God said it was awesome, it's awesome, it is. Let's go take it. But they couldn't help themselves. They just had to throw a huge butt in the middle of it all. If you look at Numbers 13, 28, they said, but the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan River. But Caleb, now I would just wanna lean into this, okay? Because guys, we need Caleb's especially now in the Church of Jesus Christ. Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. So they're given this report about the negative things, but the people, the people, and Caleb cries out and he says, let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. It's like he wants to interrupt, like, let's go take the land. You know what's interesting? I don't know what kind of conversation these 12 guys had out in the wilderness before they got back to bring their report. What we know is that Joshua and Caleb were like, we can do this, and the other 10 were like, no, we can't. I wonder what kind of discussions went on on the way back to camp. Like, who's gonna talk for the group? And maybe they made an agreement to just say, I can see this happening. I can just see them all getting together, and they're like, hey, we can't do this. The giants are too big. And Joshua said, yes, we can. God said we can do it. And like, no, we can't. And it's like, all right, well, whatever. Don't say anything about the giants. Let's just go back there and say, it is what God said it was. Let's go take the land. But these guys didn't. They went into this whole thing. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But this, what, this is the reality of what actually happened. And so jo Caleb says, I got to step in. I want to be a Caleb. Guys, I want you to be a Caleb. The challenge is, will you be a Caleb? I want to be a man who silences the fear and calms the heart of the people in the day of trouble. That's the kind of man I want to be. I think that's the kind of man God is calling us to be. I want my family to feel a sense of confidence and to follow my confidence that I have in the things and the ways of the Lord. I want my family to have a confidence in, in the faith of the Lord's power and his promises and his presence in our lives as we face the things out in our world. I wanna be the kind of leader that says, we can certainly conquer it. And I wanna hear the people of God says, you're right, Phil, let's go, let's take the city, let's take the town, let's take the country for Jesus, let's do it, we can make it happen. That's the kind of guy that I wanna be, don't you? Isn't that the kind of man that you want? Isn't that the way you wanna lead your family? Come on, you guys, we can do this. Yeah, but dad, no, 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 no. Don't forget who God is. Don't forget who God is. I can't help but point something out here, though. I wonder if you saw it with me. <sighs> I 
And I, I wrote this down because I want to choose my words carefully and I don't want to get sarcastic. But it's often the weak and the timid and the fearful among us that speak up first. It's often the weak and the timid and the fearful among us who speak the loudest and try to speak for the whole group. These are the ones that want everyone to follow their fear and enter into their anxiety. I actually, what I see in this passage is I see them jumping to speak. I actually think that because I've seen this happen out in the real world, I think these guys wanted to speak first because they knew what was in the heart of Joshua and Caleb. I think they've had those conversations out in the wilderness and they knew that if Joshua and Caleb spoke first, that, that they, would, they would inspire confidence in the hearts of the people and Moses would say, that a boy, let's get out there and take the land and then these guys would be forced to face their giants and they didn't want to do that so they wanted to speak first. You see it in verse 31. Look at it, the other men, so Joshua, or Caleb steps up and he says, let's go take it at once. We can certainly conquer this land. And the other men, verse 31, who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are, true or false? True or false? False. Why? Now, easy for us to say, right? Sitting in here. We're not got the giants right in front of us, but that's reality. That's a lie. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. And I want you to notice as we read through it, it's deceptively exaggerated, their description. They're leaning in now because they want to convince the people not to go out and take the land. It's like they're telling a scary story by the fireside. You ever done that? You know, you got all your grandkids around or your kids around, you know, and you're sitting by the fireside and you exaggerate the story because you want to get this, the fear factor going, right? You want to get them all, and then you do something like, you know, and that kind of thing, and they freak out. Am I like the only one who did that to their kids? <laughs> but listen to how it goes. This is the report that they spread among the people. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. True or false? False. All the people were giants. True or false? Okay, but can you see a bunch of little kids sitting around the campfire? We even saw the descendants of Anak, and next to them we felt like grasshoppers. True or false? True. You would too. If you were up against a giant from Anik, you'd be like, nah, I kind of feel like a grasshopper. <laughs> and that's what they thought too. True or false? False. They're spies in the land. They weren't going around everybody saying, we feel like grasshoppers compared to you. Do you think we feel like they do look like grasshoppers to you? We're just taking a survey here. Do you think we look like grasshoppers? We gotta bring a report back to Moses and we just wanna tell him we look like grasshoppers to you. That's not what happened. But do you see how they talking? They're talking it up. They're exaggerating everything. Ooh, we can't go out there. 
What, what's their goal here? What's their goal in exaggerating the truth? To convince everybody we can't go. Don't, we don't wanna be that kind of person because look at the response of the people of God. Chapter 14, verse one. Then the whole community began weeping out loud and they cried all night. Way to go, guys. Way to go. That's real leadership, right, men? Right? Yeah. Don't be that guy. All right. Is there a real threat here, yes or no? Yeah, absolutely. There's giants in the land. That was true. That wasn't exaggerated. It wasn't a false report that there were giants out there, but what you need to realize is there had always been giants around. There have been giants on the earth. If, if, we, if we went out and checked out Goshen and came back and gave a report and said, there's giants there. There are giants everywhere in Goshen. We kind of freak out, especially if they were coming for us because we don't live in a land of giants. It's like fairy tale stuff, right? It wasn't fairy tale to them. In fact, in Genesis chapter six tells us that and I can't get into this, we don't have time, okay? But the sons of God, it says, had sex with the daughters of men and the result of that union were called, were giants called Nephilim. And it was a great evil in the sight of the Lord. Now, we can debate all day long, it's been debated what the sons of God and the, the daughters of, it's not debate about the daughters of men, that's the earthly women. Don't get all hung up on that. It's, an, it's, a, it's a crazy study. It's an amazing study if you have the time and you want to study it out. To find what were the Nephilim? But it is commonly believed that the fallen angels, the demons of the earth, came down and somehow, and we won't get into how, but somehow had sex with women of the earth and the offspring were these giants in the land. Okay, the point is not to tell you that story. The point is to tell you this. Giants were the offspring of a great wickedness, and God calls it out. It's clear in the scripture that it was a great wickedness that took place. In fact, so bad on the earth were those days that God destroyed it with the flood. It was so bad, that was rampant across the earth, and there were all kinds of giants living in the land as a result of this. They were the offspring of a great witness, and those giants became the tools of Satan on the earth against the people of God all the way to, to David and Goliath trying to wipe out and dominate God's people. Same thing's happening today. There are giants that we're facing in our world today that are satanic in nature, that are the offspring of a great wickedness that's going on and being produced in our world today. And the reason that they're there is to dominate the church of Jesus Christ. Do not miss that point. They're coming for you and they're coming for the church. And that's how they're coming to, for the church is they're coming for you. And if they can get the men to be the 10 doubters, if they can get the men to not believe in the strength of their God, if they can get the men to not stand up and go lead the way to take the land, then they can lead the church down the wrong path. They can nullify the impact 
of the church of Jesus Christ. It says that the whole community, don't miss that, the whole community stayed up all night weeping and crying because of this report. Let me ask you, men and women here, how many times have you stayed up all night weeping and crying out because of the giants in your life? Giants that strike fear into our hearts and loom larger than life, bringing defeat and doubt. How many times have you been, have you cried out to God like, God, are you there? Are you going to help? Where are you? Why didn't you? Why did you? How many times have we cried out with the wrong perspective of our God in the middle of the facing of our giants that we have before us? See, there are giants from without and there are giants from within. We have... The entire world system is a giant problem for the church of Jesus Christ. And it's coming for us. You know, a couple of weeks ago, um, I mentioned the whole Christian nationalism thing. And I thought that was kind of funny. It's not funny. It's all over the news. It's the new giant coming against the church of Jesus Christ. They're labeling anyone who speaks out for truth as Christian nationalists. Trumpism is what they're calling it. Some kind of MAGA thing that's happening, when in reality, all we're doing is speaking the truth of the word of God. They came against uh, John MacArthur. You guys know who John MacArthur is? Came against the, the Southern Baptist... I don't know, this just came to me, so I just, like, I think, I think I'll, I'll try to share this. Southern Baptist Convention just, just, or just, Southern Baptist just held their convention, and they asked John MacArthur to come in and speak against some of the things that we're facing in our world um, today, and this is what they're calling, this is what they're condemning, okay, this is a national, this is, this is something that's not on the side of Christianity, writing about the Southern Baptist Convention and what John MacArthur said, and this is what they're Discrediting. This is what they're, they're calling uh, Christian nationalism is going to take over, and it's, they say it's a political tool. John MacArthur said in his message, you don't advance the kingdom of God by lining up with the kingdom of Satan. You will never advance the kingdom of God by being popular with the world. If you think you will, you're doing the devil's work. How can you negotiate with people who hate Christ hate God, hate the Bible, and hate the gospel. One liberal writer wrote this about him. It seems to be that a harsh patriarchy goes hand in hand with Trump and Trumpian politics. It's a political and staunch patriarchal alliance. And that's where you see MacArthur finding his ground with the conservative Baptist network. They're coming for us. If you thought it was just political, the stuff that's going on in our world, if you thought it was just something that's worldly that's going on in our world, you're sorely mistaken. 
you're short-sighted because you're not seeing that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers and spiritual forces that are at work in the evil darkness of this world. Satan means to have all of us. Satan means to have the church of Jesus Christ and he's using everything in his power and escalating every tool that he has and every weapon that he has. But praise the Lord for God's people because he is faithful. No weapon that is fashioned against us will stand. We will be victorious because we're part of Jesus Christ. So why do we act like we're afraid? Why are we intimidated by these things that are coming against us? Outside forces, giants in our lives. How about the internal things? Sometimes we have giants of our own making. Can I even go there on Father's Day? Is it okay? You guys give me permission? I'm not trying to ruin your Father's Day. I'm trying to challenge you. And that's, good. that's a good thing. I want to fire you up to know who you are in Jesus Christ. To know who you are and the power of God and the power of his gospel unto salvation of the whole world. Some of the sins of our past are giants we can't get over. Some drug addictions that we have. How about alcoholism? How about the love of money or the love of fame? Self-love? Indulgences of all kinds? Greed? For some of us, our job is the biggest giant we have in our world at all kinds of different levels. Pornography, fear of failure, resentment. We could go on and on. I just want to say this. I, I, I want to clearly say this to every man li listening to me. You can't face your giant if you can't name your giant. You got to call it out for what it is. Put a face on him. Name him. And then realize that all of our giants are manifestations of evil with the desire to conquer you and to force you into submission, to force you into their service. That's what the whole world system and that's what the sin and temptation of the world and the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh and the pride of life are drawing from you. They're, they're calling you out to serve them. But it can only happen when you give in to the giant's intimidation. Like these men. But God has not called you to be the doubters. God has not called you to be the men who strike fear in the hearts of God's people. He's called us to be Joshua's and Caleb's. Who will stand up and say, like in verse 7 of chapter 14 of Numbers, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people in the land. Let me say something right here. Just stop and say, listen, if you are not advancing for the kingdom, if you are not going and taking the land that God has called you and given you and has called you and equipped you to take, 
If you are being a doubter and you're saying to the people and your family all around you, we can't do it, it's too big, then you are rebelling against the Lord. That's what the Bible says, not me. Don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of these people. Listen, they are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection. Why? Because the Lord is with us and he's not with them. They have no defense. The people of God are coming and we're gonna take the land that God promised us. Get out of our way. You have no power here. Move out of the way. We're claiming dominance because we serve God Almighty. I love these guys. <laughs> this is what God's calling you to be today, guys. He's calling you and me to be like Joshua and Caleb, men of faith and confidence in the promises and the power of the Lord. And you know what? You read this and you watch what happened as you continue to read through the story. They didn't have some slick strategic plan. Well, I guess they did. They did. You wanna hear what their strategic plan was? Here it is, to follow the Lord into battle and to trust his power and his might. Amen. How are you gonna get it done, Caleb? I don't know. We're just gonna go out there and do it. The Lord will fight for us. He's done it before, guys. He'll do it again. That's the faith that Caleb had and Joshua had. We need more men like this. And God is calling you and me to be a giant slayer. How's that for a manifest phrase? Can I show you something about Caleb and then we're almost done here. Let me show you something about Caleb. Jump over to Joshua chapter 14. I just, you have to see this. And this is especially for you older guys in the group. Brother, I saved you. You're grateful, right? Yeah, I didn't want you swallowing one of those worms. Joshua 14 so this is after, you remember the spies came back, they had the 10, had the negative report, and so God cursed the people. And he said, okay, because of your unfaithfulness or lack of faith and because of your fear, you're gonna wander the wilderness for 40 years and all of your generation's gonna die. All of you doubters, all of you, that whole layer, that whole generation, including Moses, is gonna die and not enter the promised land except, except, for Joshua and Caleb and your children. So here we are, 40 years later, everybody's dead except Joshua, Caleb, and the children of the previous generation. Joshua leads the people into the promised land through a number of victorious battles. They possess the land, and so Joshua, just like before, Joshua calls up the heads of the tribes to divide up the land. And so the 12 heads are there, and they call them together to divide up the land, and who speaks first? Hmm? <laughs> this is payback time. Caleb. I believe Caleb's like, he heard Joshua's calling the leaders together, so Caleb shows up, and in his mind he's like, those guys are not speaking first this time. I'm speaking up. I'm speaking up for God, I'm speaking up for the people. And so he's 85 years old, you got that, men? He's 85. You listen to this warrior at 85 years old. He turns to Joshua and he says in Joshua 14, 7, I was 40 years old when Moses sent you and me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I return, I think there's a little, I think he's a little upset 
because he's like, you know, we were 40 back then. What could we have done when we were 40 as opposed to 85? I returned and I gave an honest report, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. So that day, Moses solemnly promised me, the land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you wholeheartedly follow the Lord my God. Let me just tell you, men, when you wholeheartedly follow the Lord your God, blessings will follow you and generation after generation after generation, God will bless your family and God will bless your seed if you wholeheartedly follow the Lord. Some of you need to stop wholeheartedly following yourself. You need to stop wholeheartedly following the giants in your world, and you need to start wholeheartedly following the Lord. That's where the blessing is. I can't tell you how many times I have conversations with people, and they're like, I don't know why things are going wrong in my life. I don't know why nothing, I can't get anything to work. I don't know why God never listens to me. I pray to the Lord, and he does, like he doesn't hear me. He can't hear your prayers because you're not wholeheartedly following him. Some of you need to be done with the way that you're traveling, the road that you're traveling, and wholeheartedly follow the Lord. And we do that by obeying his word. I was just talking to a couple this week and saying, you know what, as you begin your new life together, the Bible says that if you will listen to the words of Jesus Christ and put them into practice, then the Lord will bless your home. It doesn't matter what storm comes your way, your house will stand because you followed wholeheartedly after the Lord. Today, verse 10, I'm 85 years old. I'm as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey and I could still travel and fight as well as I could then. Now, doesn't that just sound like some kind of 85-year-old Marine or something, you know, like, <laughs> I ain't as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was and I'm gonna go out there and take this guy on, so. So give me the hill country. But what's the hill country? He turns to Joshua and says, you remember, Joshua, right, that as scouts, we found the giants living there in great walled towns. What's Caleb saying at 85 years old? I'm just as strong now as I ever was. The Lord is still with me. We can take the land. Give me the hill country. I'll go take on the giants. I wanted to 45 years ago, and I couldn't because of the doubters, but give it to me now. I'm going. Man, we need some 85-year-olds who will stand up and say, follow me because I follow the Lord. All my life he has been faithful and I'm gonna follow him to the end. I'm as strong today as I was back when I was just a kid. Follow me. I'll show you guys the way. You guys want in on that? You guys want in? Some of you older guys. Our young men need us to be like Caleb. I can only imagine the strength that came into some of these young guys. Because all, all the older guys are dead. But these young leaders, I can only imagine the strength as they sat underneath Caleb and listened to his confidence oozing from him. With the Lord's help, he says, I will drive them out of the land just as God said. Just as God said. I think God a bit personal for Caleb. 
He knew God could deliver them 40 years before, but those guys around him led everyone to focus on the giants, don't miss this, instead of their gigantic God. Listen, guys, our culture and those around us tell us that we have to accept the fact that the giants are too big and therefore we must accommodate them and be subservient to them and offer our families to them. They're trying to convince us that we have to accept our chronic failures and our sins. It's just the way it is. You can't get victory over those things. They've been plaguing you your whole life. You just have to deal with it. It's the way it is. That's not true. In fact, they're going to label us as radical extremists and cultural misfits if we refuse to bow to the giants that are trying to take over. We're told that we've got to accept our new normal. We've got to accept the fact that giants rule this world and it's foolish and even bigoted to call them out for who they are and what they are and they try to shame us into embracing their values. I wonder how Caleb felt when he re-entered the land of the giants that first time he stepped onto the stage of the giants again. He was promised the land and the giants stood in his way. I wonder, did he call them out? I wonder if he recognized some of them. Oh, there's that one dude, you know, with a real ugly face. I wonder if they recognized him. Like, dude, you don't look like you did when you were 45. See, he's 85 years old right now. I wonder if they looked at this old man as he came in the name of the Lord God Almighty and thought to themselves and snickered under the breath because they knew how gigantic they were. They knew how powerful they were. They were the men of renown. I wonder if they said to themselves, this old man's crazy. This dude's got dementia. Look at him. He's coming straight at us. We're just going to flick him away. He's got nothing. He needs to wise up. And he needs to comply. He needs to understand that giants are large and in charge in the land of Canaan. (laughs) What Caleb knew that they didn't is that if God is for you, who can be against you? But I want to hear you, I want you to hear that it's got to be God for you, God on your side, because if we try, guys, If we try to go up against any of these giants in our lives, if we try to possess the land of darkness, if we attempt to go to battle in our own strength, we will fail and we will fall flat on our face. But Caleb, don't miss what Caleb said, with the Lord's help, we can take on anyone and anything. Sometimes I feel like a grasshopper in comparison to these giants in our lives, don't you? I have my little grasshopper here. Did you get your grasshopper on your way in? Sometimes I feel like that. Sometimes the odds feel insurmountable and stacked against us. Let me ask you something. Are we grasshoppers? Let me ask you this way. Were the people of Israel, did they look like grasshoppers in the land of the giants? Yeah, 
because it was the land of the giants. They felt like grasshoppers compared to that. Sometimes we feel like that. I want to say that we actually are grasshoppers because I know you and I know me and I know how weak we are. Every one of us, we are weak and we are broken and we are powerless to do anything without God on our side. We are susceptible, every one of us, to all kinds of temptations and all kinds of failures. In fact, it would be a mistake, the scripture says, to think too highly of yourself. But I want you to hear something as we close today. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, 27, that God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chooses the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not in order to nullify the things that are. In other words, God chooses grasshoppers to kill giants. Question, are you willing to be like Joshua and Caleb and take the grasshopper challenge? Well, what's the grasshopper challenge? Are you willing to go out up against, as a grasshopper, to go up against the giants? Even though you may, in your eyes, feel like a grasshopper, look like a grasshopper. Maybe in the eyes of the world, you look like a grasshopper compared to those giants. But that didn't stop Joshua and Caleb. Are you willing to take the grasshopper challenge, men, and stand up against those giants? Maybe they're your internal giants. Are you willing to stand up and say, no more? I'm not following you anymore. I'm not gonna let you beat me down anymore. I'm gonna stand. There comes a time, men, men of God, where we need to stop running and we need to just stand in the strength and power and might of the Lord and the strength of our brothers beside us and say, let's go to battle. Let's take them on. I'm tired of being defeated. That was the message of Joshua and Caleb. Let's go take the land. God is with us. Let's take the grasshopper challenge. It was the message of David as he went up against the giant Goliath. You remember that day? David walks out on the battlefield. He's a kid. And Goliath was a real giant, nine and a half feet tall. David walks up to him and says, you could come against me with your big sword and your big spear and your height and strength and all your I'm the Philistine champion rhetoric, but brace yourself for a whipping, Goliath, because I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Today, I'm gonna strike you down. I'm gonna cut off your head. I'm gonna feed your carcass to the vultures and let the whole world know that there is a God in Israel. Don't mess with me, man. I'm a child of the king. <laughs> I want to go say that. You can say that. David could have gone on and said, I know, I get it, Goliath. Because I'm sure Goliath standing there with a little smirk on his face like, this kid's lost his mind. And he could say, I know I'm a kid. I know I'm just a grasshopper in your mind. My dad is almighty God. And he has promised to deliver me, deliver you into my hands. 
God has promised a victory here on this battlefield, and I'm gonna prove it to you. And what's interesting is that he took his head. He cut off his head, and he told him. He, he had a plan. He said, I'm gonna cut off your head, and I'm gonna give your carcass to the vultures. But David kept his head and took it back to his tent. Here's my trophy. It was like the biggest trophy buck he had ever shot. <laughs> That's a man. That's a man of God. That's what God's calling all of us to be. A God-driven, God-empowered grasshopper is unstoppable. Our personal demons and the godless culture of our world cannot stand against a grasshopper who is standing on the shoulders of his great, powerful God. Was Caleb scared when he stepped out onto the battlefield of the giants? Probably. I mean, who wouldn't be, but Taking the land that God promised with God's presence was the, prom, was the passion. It, it was something that ran through his veins. He's like, I just have to go take on my giants. Everything I believe in is too important to shrink back. I know I'm a grasshopper on the shoulders of the king, but I'm a giant killing grasshopper. In fact, when the enemy sees us coming in the name of the Lord Almighty, I think this is what they see. Take a look at this. We may think that they see the grasshopper, but I gotta tell you, there is something in the spiritual realm that is happening that God gets behind his people. And when we go out to battle, and we go out to battle in the name of the Lord Almighty, God is with us, and it strikes fear in the hearts of the enemies of God's people. And that's what God wants from every one of his men here today. Stand up. Come on, all of you, stand up. But men, you got your grasshopper? You got it? Get it out right now. Get it out and hold it up. I know this is going to be corny, but let me ask you a question. Are we grasshoppers? Yes, we are. Just say, yes, we are. Admit it. Yes, I'm a grasshopper. But we are giant, killing grasshoppers. Amen? Okay, that's our war cry. I know it's corny. Just go with me, all right? Hear every person say it. Every guy, come on. Holler it out. This is our war cry. I am a giant, killing grasshopper. Now say it like you mean it. I am a giant, killing grasshopper. One more time. The whole church of God. I am a giant, killing grasshopper. Yes, we are. Come on. Let's the sing this song. The mountains shake with glory. The demons run and flee. At the mention of your name, King of Majesty, there is no power in hell or any who can stand. Great. 